You're listening to Bible Prophecy Talk on the Revelations Radio Network. The Gog-Magog War Part 2, Which Countries Are Involved? Probably the most debated aspect of the Gog-Magog War is which countries will be involved. The desire to find out the modern equivalents of the nations mentioned by Ezekiel is particularly important for those who believe that this war will occur in the near future. They would argue that determining the location of these nations would help them to look for the geopolitical maneuverings that would indicate that the war is near. As I detailed in the last chapter, I believe that the evidence strongly supports the idea that this war will not occur until the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. This would mean that identifying the exact locations of the nations mentioned by Ezekiel has only limited value for the believer, since this war would be at least 1,000 years in the future, and therefore attempting to force the circumstances of the war onto the modern premillennial world can only lead to confusion and error. That being said, I do think scripture gives us the tools we need to discover the location of many of the nations involved in this war, and I believe there is value in such a study if for no other reason than to show the errors of the theories that try to force Ezekiel's prophecy into our modern context. I'm going to try to remain as neutral as I can in this study, something that I think is uniquely possible for those who hold to the view that the Gog-Magog War won't occur until after the millennium. If you remember from the last chapter, Christians from every era of the church have attempted to identify these countries in light of their current political circumstances, where they identified the countries involved as the primary boogeyman of their day, because I don't need to try to fit these countries into a modern context, I would like to think it makes it easier for me to follow the evidence wherever it leads. And, even if you disagree with me about the timing of the war, I think the study on the players involved in the war will be useful for you for that reason alone. Nations mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39 There are at least 11 nations mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39, including Magog, Meshach, Tubal, Persia, Cush, Put, Gomer, Tagarma, Sheba, Dedan, and Tarshish. For many of these nations, there are virtually no disagreements about their location. But for others, there have been long-standing debates. For example, few would argue that Persia is referring to modern Iran, but there are many different opinions about the location of Magog, Meshach, Tubal, and others. Millennial Occurrences Before I get started with the process of identifying the countries involved, I would like to make a point that is often overlooked by commentators. A point that I believe reinforces the idea that the war that Ezekiel describes occurs after the Messiah has been ruling over Israel during the millennium. Four of the countries mentioned by Ezekiel are also said to be countries that will exist during the millennium. These countries include Cush, Psalm 68.31, Isaiah 11.11, Zephaniah 3.10, Tubal, Isaiah 66.19, Sheba, Psalm 72.10, Isaiah 60 verse 6, and Tarshish, Psalm 72.10, Isaiah 2.16, Isaiah 60, verse 9, and Isaiah 66, verse 19. I believe that I could add more of the nations mentioned by Ezekiel to this list, but I decided to limit the references I cited to those passages that are unquestionably speaking of the millennium. I mention this to invoke a little humility among those attempting to identify these nations, as we simply cannot guess the exact way that Christ will divide the nations during his rule. It may be that during his earthly reign, these nations will actually be called by the ancient names that Ezekiel gives them, or have different borders. All we know for sure is that the Bible tells us that many of the nations in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are also present during the millennium, 
and since we know very little about the specific division of the nations and their borders after the thousand-year rule of Christ, we must be willing to admit that precise knowledge of these nations during that time will be difficult to come by. That being said, these nations have also existed in the past, and it's possible to discover a great deal about their locations. And it's reasonable to assume that the locations and borders of these countries in the past will have a great deal of correlation with their millennial counterparts. Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Gog, the primary instigator of the war, is described as being from the land of Magog and prince over Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Ezekiel 38.2 says, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Since all of the areas mentioned in this passage are a part of Gog's kingdom, Magog, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, if we can determine the location of even one of these areas with a measure of certainty, it will help to narrow the scope of our search. I like to start any research on the location of a biblical nation within the pages of Scripture itself, because while the view of ancient writers and historians are useful, they should not be relied upon dogmatically, as they often have different opinions. While Gog, Magog, and Rosh are mentioned in other places in Scripture, those passages don't offer us additional clues to their locations. Magog is only mentioned in the genealogies of Japheth, Genesis 10-2, 1 Chronicles 1-5, and the prophecy found in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and in Revelation 20 verse 8. Other than the fact that Ezekiel 38.15 tells us that Gog will come from the, quote, far north, we are left with no specific details which might help in determining which nation or nations from the far north that are being referred to. The identification of Rosh in other scriptures is difficult as well, for reasons we will come to later. Of these four nations associated with Gog, only Meshach and Tubal are found in another place in scripture that might give us a clue as to their whereabouts. Meshach and Tubal in Ezekiel 27, we find a prophecy against the city of Tyre in modern-day Lebanon. The city of Tyre has been a commercial shipping port for thousands of years, going back to the ancient Phoenician merchants. In Ezekiel 27, it describes many of the nations that traded with Tyre, as well as the specific goods that they traded. During this chapter, Meshach and Tubal are mentioned. Ezekiel 27.13 says, Javon, Tubal, and Meshach were your traders. They bartered human lives and vessels of bronze for your merchandise. We can gather two important clues about Meshach and Tubal from this passage. Number one, they traded with Tyre in Ezekiel's day, 593 through 567 BC. Number two, they traded bronze and slaves with Tyre. Normally, there would be very little one could gather about a location of a biblical nation based on the goods that they traded. But because bronze is mentioned, it narrows the field considerably. Bronze was not something that just anyone could make during this time. The process was very specialized and limited to a handful of nations. The field narrows even further when you consider that this nation also must be from the north and have been able to trade with Tyre in Ezekiel's day. This brings us to the end of the biblical clues that can help us determine the location of Meshach and Tubal. And even though it seems like only a little information, I think you will agree it is more than enough to confirm or deny the extra-biblical and historical data that we will now look at. The Jewish Encyclopedia identifies Meshach and Tubal with Moshiach, which the Assyrians called Mushki or Muski, and Tubal, which the Assyrians called Tabal. Quote, the Meshach are probably the Moshki, Assyrian Mushku or Musku, the inhabitants of the Moshean mountains between the Black and Caspian Seas, which contained rich copper mines. Tubal, Assyrian Tabal, which is always mentioned in connection with Meshach, is the name of the Tiberini, who lived to the southeast of the Black Sea. There are many reasons to take this view seriously. 
I mentioned before that the production of bronze was important. Well, Musku and Tebal were one of the few places in the world where bronze was produced at this time. In fact, they were famous for it, even being one of the inventors of Iron Age metallurgy. The legend of King Midas, who is said to be able to turn everything he touched into gold, is actually based on Mita, a real historic king of Moshea. Assyrian records refer to the Assyrians receiving huge amounts of bronze vessels as tribute from Moshea and Tabal, the very things that Ezekiel said these nations traded with. In addition, it is known that trade between these countries and Tyre was well established at the time of Ezekiel's writing. It is interesting that these two places, Moshea and Tabal, are so often mentioned together in ancient writings, because Meshach and Tubal are also almost always mentioned together in the Bible, Ezekiel 27.13, Ezekiel 32.26, Ezekiel 38.2 and 3, Ezekiel 39.1, Genesis 10.2. One scholar believes that even Rosh is mentioned along with Meshach and Tubal in one Assyrian text, quote, there is even one cuneiform document from the reign of the Assyrian king Sargon II, ruled 722 to 705 BC, which actually names all three peoples, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, mentioned by Ezekiel 38 and 39. Sargon II writes in this badly broken inscription, I deported the people of the lands of Kashu, Tabalu, and Hilaku. I drove out Might, that is Midas, king of the land of Mushki, the lands of Rashi and Elipai, which are on the Elamite frontier. This view would also be consistent with what we know from ancient writers like Josephus, who identified the people from Meshach and Tubal as the Moshini from Moshea and the Tobalites from Tabal. The identification of Meshach and Tubal as Moshea and Tabal has a massive amount of support in this modern scholarly community as well. It's probably safe to call it the majority view among scholars. There are a few people that have claimed that Meshach and Tubal are referring to the modern Russian cities of Moscow and Tobolsk. There is no historical support for this claim whatsoever. It is based solely on the similar sounds of both words. Even people who support the idea that Russia is in view with the northern coalition of Gog, like Thomas Ice, reject the idea that Meshach and Tubal are references to Moscow and Tobolsk. The modern location of Meshach and Tubal is on the southeast side of the Black Sea, south of the Caucasus Mountains, primarily in modern-day Georgia, as well as parts of Armenia and eastern Turkey. There is some debate as to whether Tubal should also be associated with the Tiberini on the Black Sea coast, which would push the location a bit more into central Turkey, but that connection is not as certain. Gog and Magog Gog and Magog are much more difficult to determine the location of, either with scripture or historical accounts. Gog, of course, is a proper name, designating the leader of this future coalition. Some people attempt to find a reference to a king named Gog in ancient texts, namely Gugu of Lydia, western Turkey. But the general consensus seems to be that this connection is inconclusive. The location of Magog is also less clear than Tubal or Meshach. There is not very much to go on in scripture or history, though we can reasonably assume that Magog would be close to Meshach and Tubal, based on the biblical account which seems to link these three nations, and the fact that the migrations of Japheth's sons would likely be close together. Jewish sources have traditionally put Magog very close to Meshach and Tubal. See map below. Josephus said, quote, Magog founded those that from him were called the Magogites, but who, by the Greeks, were called Scythians. The Scythians were a band of ethnically diverse nomadic tribes which spanned great distances in the Eurasian steppe. There are several problems with understanding the term Scythians used by Josephus the same way we do today. The term was applied very generally by the Greeks as any nomadic tribe north of the Black Sea. 
Other scholars have pointed out that the term Scythians and Sumerians were used interchangeably. The Sumerians started out dwelling north of the Caucasus Mountains, but by Ezekiel's day had migrated south due to wars with Sargon II, settling in the general area of Meshach and Tubal, specifically around modern-day Armenia, Georgia, and parts of Turkey. The Encyclopedia Biblica places Magog in the same area using a totally different method to come to their conclusion. I believe the evidence is conclusive that Magog should be placed in roughly the same area as Meshach and Tubal in modern-day Georgia, Armenia, and eastern Turkey. The Rosh Problem There are considerable debates among scholars to this day as to if the Hebrew word Rosh in Ezekiel 38.3 is a proper noun designating another nation or an adjective related to prince, i.e. chief prince. A review of different Bible translations will help to demonstrate the differences in opinion among scholars. Ezekiel 38.3 in the New King James says, And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. In the ESV it says, And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. The basic idea is that if Rosh is a proper noun, then Gog is also the prince of a place named Rosh. If it's not a proper noun, then it should be translated as the word chief meaning that Gog is the chief prince of only Meshach and Tubal, and there's no place called Rosh. This argument seems to be primarily motivated by those trying to either prove a connection to Rosh in modern-day Russia, and those that are trying to deny such a connection. In my opinion, both sides are letting their determination to prove their points affect their ability to honestly deal with this issue. The early Greek texts of the Old Testament, such as the Septuagint and the Theodosian, translate Rosh as a proper noun. But Jerome, when writing his Latin translation of the Bible, known as the Vulgate, decided to translate Rosh as chief. He did this not because of any grammatical clue, but rather, in his own words, because, quote, we could not find the name of this race, i.e. the Rosh people, mentioned either in Genesis or in any other place in the scriptures or in Josephus. Though Jerome couldn't find any reference to the Rosh people, there does indeed seem to be such references in ancient history. Clyde E. Billington, in his three-part paper, The Rosh People in History and Prophecy, does a good job, in my opinion, of tracking down the references to the Rosh people. I disagree with part three of Billington's paper, where he claims that the references to Rosh in Ezekiel should be understood as modern-day Russia, but I do agree with him that the Rosh were an ancient people in Ezekiel's day. The Rosh people, according to Billington, migrated often during their history but he believes that they primarily occupied a particular area south of the Caucasus Mountains in modern-day Armenia, Azerbaijan, Georgia, and northeastern Turkey. In other words, he agrees that the Rosh were located in the same areas as Meshach, Tubal, and Magog. It is especially notable that this was the primary location of the Rosh people when, as mentioned earlier, the Rosh were mentioned in the same Assyrian inscription with Meshach and Tubal, which links them all to the same basic geographical region. Billington and others who attempt to equate the Rosh mentioned by Ezekiel to modern Russia do so by arguing that the Rosh people, long after the time of Ezekiel, migrated north of the Caucasus to modern-day Ukraine. They also argue that the Varangian Rus, Vikings of Scandinavian origin, who conquered Russia from the north in the 9th century AD and are why we call the land Russia today, got the second part of their name, Rus, from intermarriage with the Rosh people in the south in an attempt to integrate their conquered population. While this argument is feasible from what I can tell, I also believe that this can have little bearing on the identification of the Rosh in Ezekiel 38 and 39 for the following reasons. Number one, 
It is clear that Ezekiel believed that Magog, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal were all closely related, and given the fact that in Ezekiel's day, even Billington admits all of these places were geographically centered in the areas around Georgia, Armenia, and eastern Turkey. It is far more reasonable, then, to assume that this is the area that the northern coalition will come from. Number two, Ezekiel 27 not only mentions Meshach and Tubal as trading with Tyre, but also almost every other nation that is a part of this future war, namely Put, Togarma, Dedan, Sheba, Tarshish, and Persia. It is inconceivable to think that Russia was trading with Tyre in Ezekiel's day. Number three, the method of interpretation that Billington and others are using is called the Ancestral Migration Method, which attempts to identify nations in Scripture not by the geographic locations of the nation during the relevant times, but rather by tracking the bloodlines of the people throughout history. Joel Richardson, in his book Mideast Beast, makes the following statement about this method of interpretation, quote, The ancestral migration method is fraught with difficulties, dangers, and inconsistencies, and should be avoided altogether by all who seek to responsibly interpret biblical prophecy. The bottom line is that all the nations mentioned in Ezekiel 38.3, Magog, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, as well as the other nations we're about to look at that are involved in the northern coalition of the Gog-Magog War, can all be shown to have been located in modern-day Georgia, Armenia, and Turkey, a relatively small area to the far north of Israel that traded with Tyre with the same goods mentioned in Ezekiel 27. There is every reason to believe that this will be the area that the northern coalition will come from in the future war as well. Anyone that says differently is trying to force their presuppositions on the text, in my opinion. Persia. Ezekiel 38.5 continues listing the nations that will play a role in the Gog-Magog War when it says, quote, Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. There is far less dispute about the location of these nations among scholars and commentators. As mentioned earlier, there is virtually no disagreement that Persia is equated with modern Iran. In fact, it was only in 1959 that Iran changed its name from Persia to Iran, and there is no reason to see Ezekiel referring to any other nation. Put. Put or Put is often translated as Libya and refers to most of northwestern Africa, west of Egypt, including modern Libya, Algeria, Tunisia, and Morocco. Gomer. Though there was a theory in the early 1900s that Gomer referred to Germany, the idea has been rejected in more modern times because of etymological factors. Today, virtually all Bible scholars believe that Gomer is referring to the Sumerians, who were referred to as the Gimuru or Gimur in Akkadian and were dwelling in the same area as many of the northern nations mentioned earlier, Georgia, Armenia, and Turkey. Tagarma. Tagarma is identified with the Anatolian kingdom called Tegarma by the Hittites and Tilgamiriu by the Assyrians. It was very near to Tubal and Meshach in modern-day Georgia and Armenia and parts of Turkey. A need for clarity. I feel that too many commentators these days are not giving people all the information they need when discussing the locations of these nations. For example, those that are trying to make all of these nations Muslim tend to make general statements that the northern nations are simply in Turkey, a mostly secular nation, but admittedly with Islamic leanings, as opposed to being clear that the northern nations mentioned by Ezekiel are often primarily in Georgia and Armenia, an idea that those holding to the Islamic view don't like very much because those countries are decidedly Christian today. Conversely, those wanting to push the Russian view often try to make general statements about these nations being near modern-day Russia without going into exact details of their locations, which tend to diminish that connection. Or, as we saw earlier, they will admit that the nations were not in Russia in Ezekiel's day, but say that a few of them did migrate to Russia 1,700 years later. 
a possible reason why the countries surrounding Israel are not mentioned. If you look at a map with all the areas that will be involved in the Gog-Magog War, see below, an interesting question comes up. That is, why aren't the nations closest to Israel involved? It seems that there's kind of a buffer zone of nations that separate Israel from their enemies. Why, for example, isn't Egypt involved? Historically, they have been a major enemy of Israel, not to mention Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and Syria, which constitute the biblical Assyria. I think the answer lies in Isaiah 19, 23-25, where it says that in the millennium, Egypt and Assyria will be in a special relationship with the Lord and Israel. Quote, And that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrian will come into Egypt, and the Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will serve with the Assyrians, and that day Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt my people, and Assyria the work of my hands, and Israel my inheritance. So it would seem that those closest to Israel, namely Egypt and Assyria, will be allied with Israel in a special way during the millennium. And when the time comes for Satan to be released at the end of the thousand-year period, they remain true to the Lord. I believe this is the best way to explain the conspicuous absence of these historical enemies of Israel in the Gog-Magog War, especially when you look at a map and see the same nations that are not involved are the same ones that Isaiah says will be allied with Israel at this time. In this chapter, I've discussed the fact that many of the nations involved in the Gog-Magog War are also explicitly said to be in the millennium. I've gone over the biblical and historical evidence for the locations of the primary players in the war and shown that most of the disputed nations were south of the Caucasus Mountains in the areas occupied by Georgia, Armenia, and Turkey today. Finally, I have tried to explain the conspicuous absence of Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and Syria from the Gog-Magog War by citing the prophet Isaiah, who says that those nations will be in a special relationship with Israel during the millennium and therefore unlikely to rebel against him when Satan is released. Thanks for listening. If you would like a free copy of the Christianity 101 DVD, which contains 8 gigabytes of audio, video, and text of various discipleship materials on a data DVD, please go to any one of my websites and look for the Christianity 101 button. It's totally free and I'll ship it to you wherever you are in the world. If you would like to support this ministry or any of the others that I do, please consider a tax-deductible donation, which can be sent by PayPal using the email chris at chriswhiteministries.com or by clicking the PayPal button on any one of my websites. Another great way to support this ministry is by writing a review of the podcast on iTunes or writing a review of my books on Amazon. Reviews figure very prominently into the ranking algorithms of both of those websites, and the higher they rank, the more people that can be reached. Thanks for your time and for subscribing to this feed.